Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold. I am now 60 years old, and I'm Judy Gold, old gold Judy. Anyway, this week we have part two of my uh, conversation with Al Franken. And it was so fun to do this this interview in person. And it was right after the election. And so this part two has a lot of politics in it. And I think you're going to find it fascinating. I did. And I just, there was so much more I wanted to ask him. And I do miss him in the Senate. You know, I feel like that was a fucking mistake. So I think you're going to really... Really, really love it. Okay, so let me just tell you a couple things. I was so fucking surprised on my birthday. Henry and Elisa both planned this fucking... I I can't even tell you. I, I had a small dinner, and then I thought that was the end of my birthday. You know, Henry tells me he left his wallet at the comedy cellar, so of course I'm like... I was so mad because it was raining. We had to walk over to the comedy cellar and I'm screaming at him. And then I walk in and the room is packed and I got roasted by the greatest comics, Rich Voss, Ophira Eisenberg, John Fish, Colin Quinn, Sherrod Small, and Elisa was fucking hilarious. And people came from all over. Gary, my friend Gary Corden came from um, LA and all my tennis friends were there. Um, Peggy and Patty and Julie and uh, Polly and Jenny and Gillian, like all my my tennis friends who I couldn't fuck. And then my friends' friends. And then like Jay Cohen made the, uh, uh, he made the best cake. Shoshana Bean sung happy birthday to me. Benj Pasek was there. I mean, I, I feel like I shouldn't say all these people because I'm going to miss someone, but 
everyone, Elise's sister Jill came with her husband Al and our nephew um, Jaden. Oh, there's Jews and my sister came and my niece and blah, 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 blah. There was a lot of Jews, but there was a lot of non-Jews. And it was so, and Liz at the Comedy Cellar, who's the fucking bomb. I mean, I can't believe everyone kept this for me. Liz Furiati, who runs the fucking place. And Noam, Noam Dorman, who owns the Comedy Cellar. Like everyone... I was I was literally in shock and I fucking loved it. And I love getting picked on and and, um, you know, abused by my fellow comics. There's no greater. There's no greater honor. So to everyone who came, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone I missed mentioning. Sorry, but I just it was just a fucking night to remember. And it's recorded. So I'm going to watch it 150 times million times. And then I got some videos from like my friend Wendy Liebman and Susie and Susie Esman and Joy Behar and who else sent me? Oh, Tom Papa. Oh, he's not Jewish, but he grew up in New Jersey. Um, You know, and my friends and fa- it was just, I can't, I can't. I just, I feel lucky. I'm not even being negative. It's really weird. By the way, I'm telling you this now before we begin. I have shows that you need to come to. December 3rd, December 3rd in Westchester in Scarsdale. I'm at B-Side Comedy. The early show sold out. I have a nine o'clock show. Get your ass there. Okay. Or die. And then I'm going to be at the Chosen Comedy Festival Comedy Festival in Miami on December 14. I'm at the Boca, Boca Black Box Theater on December 15. I'm going to be doing Christmas Day at Stand Up New York. In New York City, because the Jews need to go laugh. And what else do I have? I'm in Sellersville, Pennsylvania in January, and I'm at the DC Comedy Loft. Oh, Sellersville, I'm there January 21st. I'm at the DC Comedy Loft January 26th, 20 to 28. Who cares? All right. I just check, go to my fucking website and look at my gigs. But you, I'm, I can't. First of all, and democracy won. So can you fucking believe it? What a great week. Even though fuckface, I, I don't even want to talk about him with his stupid like announcing. Like no, everyone hates him. It's fucking kids won't even, whatever. So um, that's it. I'm 60. I love all of you. I love that you're going to fucking love this episode. Fucking love it. It's amazing. I love Al Franken. He's so fucking smart. And I just, yeah. And he's a great guy. And and I got to thank Laura Vogel um, and, you know, and, and Brittany, I can't even tell you. I mean, I'll thank them at the end, but they really worked their ass off to do this live podcast and um, the Midnight Theater and the staff there. And just the fact that um, I've got to lose weight. That's really important because um, I've been eating cake. But yeah, so sit back, relax and enjoy part two of my conversation with the one and only... Al Franken. So you leave after 95. Did you really leave? You wanted the anchor spot and you, and yeah, I wanted an update and I and they picked Norm McDonald, which I think was uh, the best uh, in retrospect, uh, better choice because one, he's hilarious, was hilarious. And two, I really, my political bias, I'd already made pretty clear by then. I don't think that's, that was probably right, but I'd always wanted to do update, and I didn't get it. And I said I was, I've been here 15 seasons, right? So it's time to leave. And then that's when I wrote Rush Limbaugh as a big right. Fat you started idiot. writing yeah. p- political satire. Were now your parents when you became so successful on SNL? Were they proud? Very proud. They're they very, were. They yeah, weren't of like course. they didn't care that you. No, they were. My they were very supportive. My brother being a photographer, they were very supportive yeah. of me being a comedian. They were thrilled. I love them. Yeah. Um, you were very close with uh, Paul Wellstone. Yep. Um, well, I was. Uh, he was a good friend. Yeah, and I, yeah, he was a good friend. You know, I there's a lot of people who say like uh, this person, Paul Wellstone, was my mentor. He wasn't, right. you know, or that kind of thing. And we were just, we were friends, and I really admired him tremendously. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we were good even friends. though we were his friends. name was changed from like with. Well, Stonowitz of its or whatever. I'm sure it was Wellstein or something, yeah. but I don't know. I don't think he didn't change it. Now it, I know. Yeah, yeah. I just had to put that in there. <laughs> when did you know I'm gonna? I got to run for office. I got to do this. Well, that's pretty. 
uh, I, I know exactly when. Um, or I didn't say I have to, but this is what happened. Uh, so Paul um, won in um, in in ninety, right? Uh, and it was an amazing upset. And um, he'd been a professor at Carlton College. And then in, he wins again in 96. And then in 2002, Ugh. he's running for re-election. Right. And um, he's in a dead heat with Norm Coleman, the Republican. And um, in October of 2002, he's, he's got a vote on, on the Iraq war, and he's against it. And a pretty sizable majority of Minnesotans were for going to war. So he's in this dead heat, even in the polls. And he votes against it. And he said to his friends, including me, I, I think this is the end of my career, this vote. Uh, the next poll came out, and he was ahead by seven points. Wow. And that's because Minnesotans respect People. a politician yeah. who just votes the way he believes. They just respect that. So... He was going to win that race, and then his plane went down. I can't. And his wife and his daughter were on that plane. And, and three aides and the two pilots, of course. But uh, I, it's horrible, horrible tragedy. And Coleman ends up winning the race. And in uh, April, I think, March or April of the next year, he, after Coleman's been in office for like two months, um, he does an interview with Roll Call, which is a Capitol Hill newspaper. And he says this, to be blunt, I'm a 99% improvement over Paul Wellstone. And when I read that, I went, who the fuck is going to beat this guy? And I thought, okay. And I moved back to Minnesota. I was doing, I started doing Air America right after Yeah, that. you had a radio show. Yeah, um, and uh, I moved to Minnesota to see if I would be the best guy to do that. And I started in the 06 campaign. I went around the state campaigning, you know, uh, giving doing fundraisers for other Democrats, uh, DFLers, Democratic Farmer Labor Party, that's our party there. And uh, people responded, and I said, I think I could do this, and I did it. What did Franny say when you said, I'm Go ahead and do it. And she was great. She was, I wouldn't have won without her at oh. all. Yeah. What a story. Um what the shift now you know i always say it's not a coincidence that zelensky is so successful and he's a comedian i think yeah. that they are related um, we're the bravest people in the world well comedians yeah. jewish comedians especially right and jewish comedians who go into politics yeah and that's why you know he and I are the two bravest people uh, in the entire world uh, ever world. to ever exist. But it, you, you know, I've heard you say he's a performer. He knows how to communicate yeah. to a crowd. Of course. So here you are. I mean, I know how a comedian's mind works. Yeah. Like everything is a joke. No matter what happens, you're like, Oh, you find the joke. Right. So here you are and you can't, say what you're thinking, right? Uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I Everything, first of all, everything I had done in comedy was when, during the campaign was put through the dehumorizer. Right. This is this uh, machine developed by the... I think the, that's going around the country now, <laughs> the dehumorizer. <laughs> the machine's been updated. Yeah. It was originally uh, Israeli technology. Right. Probably. And, um, okay. <laughs> But, um, and then, so I won by 312 votes. I had this long recount. Yep, you know, I we're remember. looking at Nevada now, and uh, there may, may be a recount there. There may be a recount in the Bobert race in Colorado. Mm -hmm. So I, long recount, I get there, and I just want to, I, I know that I just got to prove to the people of Minnesota that I'm there to do the work, to put my head down, be a workhorse, not a show horse. I don't do any press except. I'm asked to do all the meet the press, all that shit. Right. And I go, nope. I just do Minnesota press. And um, I, you know, my team says, do not be funny. Don't yeah. be funny. Don't be funny. And I just put your head, and I go, I know, I understand. Put my head, just don't. And they go, don't be funny. I said, I got it. 
but I didn't really internalize it. Right. <laughs> and uh, so the first day I'm there, and uh, I get sworn in. It was just a thrill. Like, were you freaking out? Like, could you believe this is happening to you? I could. It took so fucking long. It yeah. was like a six month, uh, nine months from when I won the election to when I got sworn but in. But is it weird you- winning by such a small yeah. majority? And you're like, oh, they don't really. Like, I would be so insecure. Well, like, it wasn't I, that. It was that um, I just went, uh, I got to show people why I'm here. Right. So, um, so I get, I take the subway back to the office. Uh, it's, it's the first time in my office, and it's in the Hart Building. And I go up there, and I go to my get to my off my desk, and there's a slip of paper there, and I learn that one of your duties as a uh, as a senator is to write congratulatory notes to constituents. Who, and this first one was for Ruth Anderson of Marshall, Minnesota, who's turning 110. And uh, so I got out my official stationery for the first time, and I wrote, Dear Ruth, you have a bright future. (laughs) And and, uh, so my new assistant comes and takes it to my new chief of staff, and he's in, what is this? (laughs) And I said, it's a joke. And he said, "Uh uh-huh. You think Ruth Anderson will find it funny? (laughs) And I said... I don't know. She's 110. Yeah. And he said, okay, you think her family will find it funny? And then I started thinking, oh, yeah. And I thought about, like, her 90-year-old son reading it. Yeah. (laughs) You've got a bright future. Well, that's pretty mean. But it's funny. You know. What'd you change it to? What's your secret? I think it was like. Uh, I, well, I mean, you didn't know, that kill you a little bit inside? It did. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, that's a, that family will love that joke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I Which would is love, not, yeah. that's meant I wasn't cut out to be a senator. So, um, and, uh, but, I, you know, they said, don't be funny on floor speeches. Don't be funny in hearings. Like. The second week I'm there, so do my or hearings, and I'm on judiciary. So um, she was a prosecutor, and um, so and she said something about she be some other questioning. She said I be, I became a prosecutor because I watched Perry Mason. So it gets to me, and I go like, Why'd you become a prosecutor from watching a show where the prosecutor lost every time? <laughs> and, and she said, Well, actually, he won once. And I said, okay, well, we'll get back to that later, right? <laughs> this was at the beginning. I had 30 minutes questioning. So at the, I had, I had developed my question. I didn't have time. I had about a minute and a half left at the end. I didn't have time to develop a new line of questioning. So I said, well, okay, um, you said that Perry Mason lost one case. What was the case? And she goes, I, I don't know. And I said, didn't the White House prepare you? <laughs> Which is, I just... Right. You know, and big laugh. And then, does Al Franken have to be funny? I mean, really, I got this criticism. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't think. (laughs) And it was clearly not like, I didn't go, okay, uh, you know, Judge Sotomayor, I'll ask, what did he (laughs) lose? You say, I don't remember, and then I'll have the joke. I mean, it was just clearly something. I and just, it's because they're jealous. Don't you think it's because they can't do that? No, it's because they're the press. It wasn't the other senators complaining. Right. It was the media going like, oh, good. We got them. We got a, I got a story uh-huh. here. I got something I can write. Right. Some bullshit thing I can write that will get readers and now clicks, you know. Right. Uh, uh, and that's all it is. That's all it is. This is... More they, digestible so they, for readers right. than they know, just something want a story. actually important yeah. and serious. Right. <laughs> hey everyone, you know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of liquid IV. Because I love liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. 
And I just worked out with my trainer and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra. That has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor, and I love them. And they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak, turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JUDYGOLD at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code JUDYGOLD, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. Were you like pinching yourself like, oh my God, I am a, I'm I'm in the Senate chambers. I'm like, like, who were you excited to meet? Um, well, I was excited to meet President Obama. Yeah. You know, there were uh, Carl Levin. I mean, I was, you know, I knew. Yeah, very good. Yes, um, thank you. You know, I was, um, there were certain colleagues there that I w- was, uh, you know, excited to meet. Uh, the first day I got there, I'm on the floor, and Carl was one of them. And I'm talking to, like, Leahy, who was, uh, you know, one of the senior senators and a couple of others. And uh, we start to, they start talking about how bad it is. <laughs> and I, one of them says, like, it's the worst it's been. And, and, and Levin goes, no, it's been worse. And I say, when? He says, 1854. <laughs> and I go, Charles Sumner being caned? He goes, yes. And I said, well, okay, well, that was in the lead up to the Civil War. And he goes, yeah. But since then, this is the worst. <laughs> so... Um, and then since then, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with these people who are hateful? Like you said, Lindsey Graham is the funniest senator. Lindsey is funny. Um, I, I mean, know. I know you, you don't want to hear that. How do you separate? Well, Lindsey just became awful, you know. A few years ago. Why I mean, do you think he became <laughs> awful? Because Trump was president and he made a decision he wanted to be reelected in South Carolina, so he had to be a, a Trump. He had to be a Trump supporter, and also he likes being in the action. Right. So that was his way to do it. This was there's a book called "Thank You for Your Servitude" that Mark Leibovich, uh, who used to write for <laughs> the New York Times, now for the Atlantic Monthly. Uh, Number one New York Times bestseller, uh, which is just about how all these Republicans caved to Trump. And it's, uh, Leibovich is a very funny writer, too. Uh, and, uh, but Lindsay is, but so I'll tell you, like, L- Lindsay's main jo- uh, jokes were always about how cynical he, he is. And so I remember uh, one uh, Christmas break. We're leaving, and he said, uh, you taking your family anywhere for sun? And I said, yeah, we're going to Vieques in Puerto Rico. And he said, and without hesitation, he goes like, do two fundraisers, one for the people who are for statehood, one for the people who are against statehood. They never talk to each other. 
<laughs> and, you know, and that's just, I'm cynical, is right. his jokes. And once I, when he was running for president 16, we were in the bathroom and I said to him, like, oh, oh that must be weird. Well, I mean, Lindsay is it that Graham. weird to go to the bathroom? I don't know. For guys, it is because you see, yeah, no, for men, yeah, you're at a urinal and there's the thing. Like, don't you go to a urinal and you're like, oh, you fucking asshole! You voted against cli climate change legislation. You know, not like, at this point. I mean, right? You know, if it was Cruz at a certain point, Cruz. Yeah. Anyway, so I want. We're getting back to that. Don't think you're. So getting away I say with to that. Lindsay, like, if if I were Republican, you know, I I. I'd vote for you in the primaries. He goes, that's my problem. <laughs> and so he's funny. Uh, he's just, you know, I mean, it's been disgraceful what he, how he right. so how do you Trump. how do you act civil to these people who are fucking horrible? They're t terrible people. Well, some I didn't act civil to, and Cruz is one, basically. What is wrong with him? Is there something wrong with him? No, don't uh, you think? I, Yes, absolutely. Right. Something wrong with him. And, you know, um, I tell the story about the first time I meet, met him, which is just, uh, well, I've said this, that I, I probably liked Ted Cruz more than most of my colleagues like Ted Cruz. Right. And I hate Ted Cruz. Right. He's the most hated guy in Senate, right? Absolutely. Lindsay said about him, if... if um, um, Ted Cruz killed someone on the floor of the Senate, and the trial was held in the Senate. No, he would. No one would convict him. Or no, if someone killed Ted Cruz, that was right. It. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I fucked up yeah. Lindsay's joke. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Lindsay. Okay. Um, so uh, the first time I met him. Okay, so my dad, right? He didn't graduate high school. So when I'm in high school, we uh, I get this vocabulary book to study for the SATs. And it's Johnson O'Connor. Now, Johnson O'Connor was this vocabulary maven from, like, 1928. <laughs> and he had this book, and this book had, like, starts with words that 55% of Americans don't know and ends with 99%. My dad didn't graduate high school. He knew every fucking word in the wow. book. So we get, and he's doing it, and he's not yeah. looking at it. He goes, okay, sophistry. And I go, I don't know. And this is 99%. He goes, well, that's kind of, uh, you know, uh, lying by using a fallacious argument. Dad, how do you know this? I don't know. I don't <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so the first time I meet Ted Cruz, 2000, um, he gets selected in 2012, November 2012. A month later, Sandy Hook happens. 20, this deranged kid with yeah. Bushmaster, AR-15 kills 20 kids, six adults. So I sign on to the assault weapons ban. I, Cruz has been elected. I don't see him. He doesn't get. He doesn't show up until January 30. Gets sworn in. He comes over to me. He doesn't say hi. I'm Ted Cruz. He just comes over to me and says, "Anyone who's for the assault weapons ban is engaged in sophistry." So as soon as he says that, I go, "What an asshole!" He thinks I don't know what sophistry is. Sophistry is a word that's used a lot in law school, right. especially in mock trials and by lawyers, but I know what it is. So I go, okay, Ted, how am I engaged in sophistry? He said, well, Clinton's own Justice Department did a report, did a study on the assault weapons ban and said it didn't work. And I said, no, it didn't say that. You're talking about the 2016 report, and which only had a year of data to operate with because the bill was passed in 14 and it said actually it looked like it did work that gun violence was reduced by 6% in 15 but they didn't have enough data to draw a statistically significant conclusion. Now he gets really mad because oh, I, I yeah. knew what I was talking about. And he goes, well, you just read the report. <laughs> so I go, okay. So obviously I'm familiar. I'd read about the report because I knew that was going to be one of their arguments. So I go back to my office. I go to my judiciary council, and I say to him, Ted Cruz just told me, said to me that anyone who's for the assault weapons ban is engaged in sophistry. And my legal counsel, who went to Harvard Law, says, what's sophistry? And I say, <laughs> okay, well, this is what it is. Okay. Yeah. I, said, go, I said, just go to the report, download, you know, get print out the relevant part of it, and I'll keep it in my pocket. Next time I see Cruz, I'll, I'll show it. 
Next day, I'm on the floor. I see Ted across. I'm a big Jack Benny fan, so I go, oh, yeah, I love Jack Benny. I'm a big Jack Benny fan. Yeah. So I go, oh, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Cruz. <laughs> and he won't come over. I go over to him, and I say, uh, you know, Ted, uh, yesterday you came up to me and said anybody who's for the assault weapons ban is engaged in sophistry. And he said, no, I didn't. What a fucking piece of shit. I can't, his daughters hate him. I can't wait to one of them. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. He's such a lot. They, Isn't that amazing? How lie? Well, he does it all the time. And right after the Paul Pelosi thing, oh, he, he did some kind of, well, we don't know all this whole story. Might have been a male problem. You know, he did that. And they're just such pieces why of shit. Why are they such And animals? that's why, yeah. that's why Tuesday was so great. Because, yeah. um, you know, everybody said, oh, there's going to be a wave, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I didn't know. Because polling is so bad, one. And two, Franny said, uh, She's not Jewish. She's Irish Catholic. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, it's so anyway, Boylston, right? Boyle, uh, her maiden name, Boylston? No, uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, Bryson. 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 Yeah. She looks Jewish. No, she doesn't. I said she does. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Anyway, so Franny, uh, <laughs> Franny, like last night or maybe the night before said the American people basically said, stop it. And what, what it was, was the American people really, you know, at a certain point, you know, the, all these MAGA people, you know, the Republican party, whatever percentage of them are MAGA people, it's, I think a it's a majority. And they're deniers or majority. But Americans just went, fuck you, stop it, stop it. Right. You know, uh, and it was really interesting that all these deniers who lost conceded. Right. <laughs> I, mean, like, I know, I was that's going right. Like, well, you know, uh, there's uh, the, the 2020 election was stolen. I know we went to court 60 times to try to prove it and lost every one of them. Uh, but last night, I really lost. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that, yeah. what the fuck that was. It made no sense. But I think that Americans are going like, this is just dangerous. It is. And so I think really underestimated was the threat of democracy. And I remember people would go like, you can't use that as a... They, people, it's just inflation. It's people's economics. And there's an argument on that, which is they have no answer for inflation. Right. If you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, none of which is basically kicked in, but it caps pharmaceuticals for people in Medicare right. at $2,000. That's going to save people money. It allows Medicare to negotiate with pharmaceuticals. It's insulin. You can, If you're a senior, you get it. To 30, it's capped at 35. It, it, it has so much in it that is actually going to address this. It's also a worldwide problem. Uh, it's worse in Europe. You know, part of that is the war. You know, what? Yeah, gas prices went up because of the war. You have to. But they we just have to lied. help Ukraine in this war. I know. And we're going to continue it because there a majority of Republicans, I think, know that we have. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow, or find an awesome template. No judgment. Do you know which Republicans are saying the complete opposite of what they believe? Yeah, a lot. I mean, it depends what part of what they believe you're saying. I, I still keep in touch with some of my former Repub uh, colleagues on both sides, but with the Republicans, I just give them shit all the time. And I just, I, you know, they're friends, and I just say, I don't know you have to say the election wasn't stolen. Right. 
And then I'll write back. I have said a number of times that Biden is the president. I, I and I go that. like, that isn't, you know, and right. I, yeah. And I just can't fucking believe it. And I say, this is dangerous, especially after this last thing with the policy stuff. I went like, are you guys, you got to condemn this. You know, right. uh, you have to condemn this. You can't, I mean, this is obscene. It's disgusting. Yeah. And I think the American people looked at that. I think that really hurt them. Right. Because I think the American people look at this and go, like, this is really beyond the pale. They said, stop it. Franny was right. Stop it. And I think that's what happened. And then also, of course, the Dobbs decision. Oh, that's people the worst. Wanted, I did a podcast uh, last week with uh, just right before uh, the midterms with Cecile Richards right. and David Axelrod. And Cecile, of course, <laughs> at one point. I love her. Oh, she's unbelievable. And David, I, I really love David. He's a little bit more hard-nosed and really thought we were going to, there was going to be right. a wave. Yep. Um, <laughs> and at one point, because she and I had talked about Dobbs, and he went, and he was going to base his, he, he started it this way. Uh, Cecile, uh, you're kind of known, uh, you, you're known as, and then he couldn't think of what to say, and she said, the abortion lady, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. And he went, well, yeah, but also as a really, and then he said something about the very savvy political mind. And he basically was saying, isn't Dobbs over? Not over, but isn't it peak and isn't it not? And she kind of, no. She said, no, it's really important to women, but also, you know, abortion has economic, you right. know, and she, she did a very sophisticated response. But he was wrong. And... If you look demographically at who voted and how much, how many young people, gee, why would young people care about abortion? Uh, and, and I know these these people, young women, yeah. and especially, but young men too, and right. and uh, so, and also that demographic is much more uh, diverse. Uh, and the Republicans, I mean, who thought? Because I was going like. Before this was happening, I'm going like, is there, well, have we lost our democracy? Right. I have, thought that too. Yeah. And I'm going like, you know, I've, I've been thinking to myself like, you know, I've been thinking for a couple of years now, uh, we're going to have a tipping point where we lose our democracy. And I started thinking in the last couple of months, wait a minute, maybe the tipping point already happened. And it was a series of tipping points which is starting in, in uh, 2010, Citizens United. That is the worst, the worst. We got to get rid of that. That well, is corrupted yeah. politics. It's all about money, 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 money. There's no public servants anymore. Well, it's dark money. Yeah. And you saw the flood of dark money. Right. And on these bogus crime ads, and uh, it was ugly. But Kennedy, uh, Justice Kennedy. I hate him. I well, hate his fucking face. I hate the way his chin moves. Anthony hate... Anthony Kennedy? Oh, you're Justice talking about Kennedy. Kavanaugh. I thought you meant John, the senator. Oh, sorry. you're talking about John Kennedy. I'm sorry. Senator I'm so from Louisiana. Sorry. No. Sorry. Justice Kennedy uh, wrote the opinion right. on Citizen United. And in the opinion, he said, the great thing about this is there will be disclosure. And there isn't There's disclosure. There's no disclosure. And... But we, in fact, we had a vote on the floor when we, after Scott Brown had won and mm -hmm. was now, we were, instead of 60, we were 59. So every Republican voted against disclosure. So my thing is like, okay, if you wrote the fucking opinion and in it you write, the, the great thing about this is it'll be disclosure, so it'll be transparent. Why don't you say, hey, guys, we have to revisit this. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but no, they don't do that. Shelby County. Shelby County is uh, 13. They get rid of uh, Title V in the Voting Rights Act. Title V is preclearance, meaning that it, the Voting Rights Act in 65 included Title V, which said that the Justice Department, the, fe the federal government's Justice Department, has to review changes in voting law in jurisdictions that had traditionally suppressed votes of, right. of people of color. And um, that goes on a 5-4. Roberts writes the decision and says, well, you know, these southern states and these jurisdictions, they've reformed. They don't do it anymore. Well, they don't do it because of, of Title V. Right. And Justice Ginsburg writes, that's like throwing away your, 
your umbrella while it's raining because you're not getting wet. Well, boom. Next day, like the Louisiana state legislature writes this, their voting laws. The uh, two years later, because in under Title II, the courts it goes through the court system. It takes two years for the, the Fourth Circuit to say they targeted African Americans with almost surgical precision. Right. That was the wording. Well, then why doesn't Roberts go like, you know what? I was wrong. Right. Well, no, of course not, because he's a dick. I mean, basically, mm -hmm. because he's not honest. He's not an honest person. And uh, and this court is illegitimate. Part I know. Of, part of it was, uh, you know, I mean, not taking up Merrick Garland was right. unprecedented. That was, how did they get away? Like, they're not, we're not Be, even They got away with, with it you? because they had the majority and they could get away them. with it. I but hate them. What they did was they uh, lied about their. Right. The, they they said that they used a premise that didn't exist, <laughs> which is that if you don't take up the, the the Senate advice and consent includes not even giving the guy a hearing, right. and that had never happened before. And then, uh, but and then and, Amy and, Conti Barrett in well, yeah, in and, like a week, she gets uh, eight days or nine days yeah. before the election, and they had said you can't do this in an election year. And of course, Scalia died in February. And and McConnell said, "Well, there's already been votes cast in in New Hampshire, okay, you know, and so you can't do it during an election year." And now, uh, then Coney Barrett, you know, uh, Bader Ginsburg dies in September, late September, and um, boom, they just put her through, and so they get rid of the <laughs> the non-existent premise, uh, you know. I hate them. Yeah, I hate them. There's a reason to hate them, and there's a reason to vote against them, and. Um, I love talking to you. First of all, I have to commend you on your um, questioning of Neil Gorsuch. I found that to be Wasn't very that entertaining. That was fun. Yes, that was great. And his stupid fucking face where he was like this. What do you mean? Oh, did I really I, say I don't know, that? That was on the frozen trucker. Yeah, and, I love and, that. We, can't, we don't have time to go okay, through that. Okay, I know, okay, but yeah. I, I just, I have... I miss you. We need you. Well, yeah, I know. I, I miss we it, too. We fucking need you so bad. I miss um, it, too. All right. I always ask my um, my podcast guests two questions at the end of the oh, podcast. Oh, okay. All right. One. I'm Jewish. Is that one? Oh, yes. But Franny's okay, not. Only, yeah. Um, What's the second question? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. First question. All right. Number one, what do you do for to keep your mental health? Um, and right, the fact that Franny good... stayed with you. You two, two months in, you said you had like a depression, and yeah. um, and then she stayed Welcome with you. Welcome to me. <laughs> that was pretty damn good. Um, but yeah. what do you do to keep sane? Yeah, um, I count my blessings. I mean, I have uh, these four beautiful grandchildren. I have two great kids. I mean, our kids are just. I know Harvard, and then Princeton. Wow. You, oh yes, but. Then the Princeton went to MIT. Went to MIT. I can't <laughs> for graduate school, where he got a uh, master's in <laughs> engineering <laughs> and business. I'm sorry, that is the Jew side of the family. I don't care what you say. <laughs> okay, here's my second question. And All the right. daughter <laughs> went to Harvard. Yeah. And uh, then became a uh, did teach for America. Yeah, kind of thing, and became a teacher, and then was involved uh, for years in the uh, DC public school system. Yes, and it's just uh, wonderful. Then she has two beautiful children. <laughs> did either of them marry Jews? Both of them. Thank God. One's a half breed as well. well all but, right, yeah. but whatever. Um, are they raising the kids Jewish? Kind of. <laughs> oh, great. I mean, they know they're Jewish. They know. All right, yes. as long as yes. they know, because yes. of what's going on in the uh, no, they don't. country. Right? I, we took a holiday picture, and it was all, all, it was just me and Franny and the four grandchildren watching TV. And so at the time, they were like, I guess, eight, five, five, and two. And I just put, the caption was... Uh, Franny, me, and the grandchildren watching Judgment at Nuremberg. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of, we're watching TV. And <laughs> All right. 
This is now. I call my podcast "Kill Me Now" because I get aggravated at everything, and I'm always saying like "Kill Me Now." I can't take it. What pisses you off more than anything in the entire world? Jesus Christ! <laughs> I I would say dishonesty. Yeah, that's just it. I just drives me fucking crazy. There isn't an honest word, obviously, that comes out of the sociopath, Trump's mouth. Right. But that these Republicans and these uh, MAGA people, I mean, the disinformation, I when I, I wrote Rush Limbaugh's a big fat idiot and other observations and lies and lying liars who tell them for him, point out then that there's all this disinformation being put out by people on the right and then... Uh, and it's just gotten worse since. Right. So that really pisses me off the most. It just drives me crazy that, and then the false equivalence that sometimes comes from the press and yeah. that kind of stuff. But basically it's that. That's what drives me crazy. Um, I cannot I cannot thank you enough. This was well, thank you. such I an honor. I thank you enough. How's that? Oh, th- we, you... You are such a hero, and I wish you would go back and, you know, change the world. But you think we're on a, the right path, I hope. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's we can't take too much solace uh, I know. from this, but hopefully, you know, when I get home, we'll find out that um, Cortez Masso is yeah. the lead, and we'll take over the Senate, right. and, and, uh, and I hope that if majority of the Senate isn't at stake in Georgia, that there will be Republicans in Georgia who are going like, okay, I can't vote for that guy. Right. You know, it used to be that holding a gun to your wife's head was a disqualifier. <laughs> I can't, I, it's beyond, I did, it's amazing. And then I, I did Rachel versus Guy with him and dumb as a brick, but he made good chicken wings. Wouldn't it be odd if, uh, like, Herschel Walker won and then became, like, a great senator? <laughs> that, that is, he can't that's even a, complete a That's sentence. like a fucking sketch. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a good sketch. Yeah, it's just like good. following his career over the years, yeah. he becomes Ted Kennedy. You yeah. know, he becomes, like, <laughs> he becomes that. Robert Byrd. Yeah. You know? <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Franken. Thank you all. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the one and only Al Franken. How fucking fantastic was that, huh? Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without Brittany Joe Soward's rich man she married a Jew. If you haven't subscribed, really, seriously, please leave a review. Then more people find it. Then I can do more ads, not more ads, but I can get some money for the ads I do that I can keep it on the air because right now I'm not, uh, you know, uh, breaking even. But I love it. I love it. It's a labor of love. Um, five stars only, please. I want you to know that I've maintained a five-star rating on Lyft, okay? I'm still at 4.49 on Uber, so I don't even use Uber now because Lyft appreciates me. And I'm going to go with the one that appreciates me, even though sometimes they're a little more expensive. But, um, you know, I get people being nice to me instead of Uber, who's probably like, oh, I wonder what this bitch's problem is. You know, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did, Uber. I always tip. I always am like, you you don't even know. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. Your car is so nice. Have a wonderful day. How are you? So I am doing a lot of uh, commentary on the... Uh, Chappelle SNL monologue I you know and and I talk about all this in my book Uh, yes I can say that when they come for the comedians are all in trouble which you can buy as a gift a holiday gift it's a great read Um, but you know I believe in free speech does does some of the stuff make me uncomfortable as a Jew absolutely did I think there were some false equivalencies yeah but he's you know it's it's harder when it comes from someone who you know, you like and respect, you know, but um, there's plenty of other people's things, other comics say that I can't stand. Um, 
I believe in free speech. And I think it's, a, you know, everyone's talking about it. And we should, there should be discourse. And we should be talking about it. And people should learn the truth. Because a lot of it wasn't true. So, but as a comic, I feel one way as a Jew. I feel another way. And then I combine the two and I eat. That's what I do. I eat something. And that's working really well for me now that I'm 60. What else do I have to tell you? I really love Henry and Elisa. I mean, I love Ben. I love Ben a lot, but he wasn't there. But Henry and Elisa, I, I, did, I can't with all they did. My friends Robin and Luann and they're Millie. Like, everyone helped with the surprise. And I just, I'm still on cloud, you know, nine. Why is it cloud nine? Can someone please write to me and tell me why it's cloud nine? Also, I want to say... Everyone who writes to me to say that they listen to the end, I fucking love you. And let's see who's today's today's person who listens to the end is Gail Nestle. Gail, I want to thank you for listening to the end, Gail. You are a delight. I think you're from Canada, if I remember correctly. But I really appreciate you. So thank you for listening to the end because I can't stand my fucking voice. Cannot stand it. So there's that. Please come to my shows. Please go to my website. Please go to, you know, tweet. What the fuck's going to happen with Twitter? That's another thing. Yeah, what's going on with Twitter? I mean, he's such an asshole, isn't he? Like, it's just, why do you have to be such an asshole? Like, these men and their fucking egos. And, like, ruining people's lives and livelihood. Like, ugh. I just, Whatever. Um, so that I'm still on Twitter at Judy Gold, J E W D Y. I know I have to go on another one, but Brittany Joe Sowards Richmond, uh, who is my executive assistant, um, is like, can't deal with it right now. So great. Um, but I'm on, you know, I'm on the, the Instagram and the Facebook and the TikTok. I got to do more. I'm going to be doing more stuff on TikTok. To, I, I feel like I dropped the ball. I did drop the ball, but now I'm 60 and I can pick the ball up even though my back hurts. <laughs> it's an old joke. <laughs> All right. I got to go. This is going on way too long, but I love my CPAP machine, by the way, it goes up my nose and I can breathe. Uh, and I'm not snoring. And Elisa stays in the bed with me all night. It's a bit sport. Um, all right. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy overeating. You know, it's a celebration of togetherness because uh, the uh, Thanksgiving, you know, not not a positive in the um, whole history of the United States of America. But whatever. You know, we're here. We're queer. Democracy won. And um, now we can eat food, food, food. So enjoy whether you're with friends, family, whether you're alone, whether you're doing something for other people. God bless you. Just enjoy and get those Black Friday deals because it's now or never. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. And as we always say, so long.